ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. This week I sit down with Matt Dockstatter of Butcher Shop Taxidermy. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Matt Dockstatter. Matt, thank you, man. I appreciate your time. How's it going? It's going good, man. Thank you for having me. I'm I feel pretty special. <laughs> yeah, you, you shouldn't, man. Just a dude in a garage sweating his ass <laughs> off recording a podcast. <laughs> uh huh. I know how it is. I'm in the same place. <laughs> yeah. So, man, we'll uh, drop right into it. Well, first off, man, my buck is hanging up on my wall, and and for you know the folks listening, uh, or Matt, excuse me, is my taxidermist. Um, Mounted my Catalina Island buck from last season, man, and it came out freaking phenomenal, dude. That's awesome, man. I'm so happy you liked it. Oh, man. I uh, got home that day. I picked him up from you and hung him on the wall and just sat in my chair and stared at it for probably an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. I was was sitting there working on another deer. I was just waiting for a picture to come in, (laughs) just sitting and waiting and waiting, and then finally it did. Yeah, it's like, man, there's just something about capturing not just that animal but all the memories man when you sit there and you look at those mounts and you just it just takes you back to you know even those small moments that didn't seem to matter much um Mm -hmm. when you're in the field and and you just i love it man there's nothing like having that mount on the wall to relive that oh yeah that's beauty of the animal that's what it's all about heck yeah so enough of my ranting on that buck, man, at least for now. Um, why don't you give us an intro and uh, and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? All right, man. Well, hey, I've been uh, doing doing taxidermy and just being in the outdoor life forever. Basically, I, I started going hunting with my grandpa when I was, hell, like three or four, as far back as I can remember anyways. 
live here on the Central Coast, California, born and raised, and it looks like I'm stuck here for a little while. <laughs> and a lot of people, man, I mean, you know, you start talking three or four years old. I, we have a we have a stigma, right, when it comes to California and oh, yeah. just the just the climate, right? The political climate, mm-hmm. you know, anti-hunter this, anti-hunter that. Um, we don't get much love, and I probably don't help that uh because my (laughs) because of my disdain for the politics here but uh but man there's you know there's a lot of guys here um up and down you know from from norcal all the way down you know to uh san diego area border area um that are in the outdoors have been in the outdoors and i guess the plus is we can be fishing pelagics um and it sounds cliche as hell but fishing pelagics in the first thing in the morning and then you could be back on the mountain, you know, for an evening hunt, man. I mean, it definitely oh, yeah. has some benefits, man. Yeah. It, 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 any chance you get to get out, it, it, living right here in the middle of everything. I mean, most people don't realize, it, but we, like you said, we've got it all, man. Yeah, no, it is. And, and the opportunity when we start talking about hunting, we really have some good opportunity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Well, I'll, I'll qualify it, right? Deer. <laughs> turkey yeah you start talking elk and and sheep and things like that it's unfortunately once in a lifetime for most of us unless we get lucky um but the opportunity yeah, yeah. is there you know oh yeah for sure some of us are way luckier than others but that goes without saying i yeah, guess yeah yeah i know a guy that pulled that elk tag his first year and uh opted out of it because he wasn't prepared to do it so I'm like, dude, oh. it's going to be 20 some odd years before you ever see that again, if you're lucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So there I go, man. I interrupted you again. Jump back into it and uh, finish oh. your finish your intro. It's all good, man. No, I've been I've been born and raised in Santa Maria, California, my whole my whole whole life. I minus a couple months here or there. And <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a great place to be from, I guess. But uh, yeah, there. That's about it. I mean, just a, just a I've dude who enjoys the outdoors, man. <laughs> yeah, Heck yeah. I've been looking for a way to get involved in the excuse my wording, but the outdoor industry forever. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great, as controversial as it may be at times. Like, yeah, you're just opening a can of worms. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know what I mean. What I don't know, dude. That that whole controversy or whatever the hell it is you know garrett weaver i'm using your line you know stay in your lane let us do what we (laughs) do if we're doing it respectfully ethically um and legally just stay in your lane let us do our thing over here you know we're not harming you exactly i ain't bothering nobody (laughs) you know and that's i mean and honestly most of us would just prefer to go do our thing and be left alone that's yeah that's that's damn straight right there i mean we yeah okay so somebody would argue that and say well you know you're on social media yeah i'm on social media and these other outlets sharing it with people that are like-minded and enjoy the same Mm -hmm. thing and if you're scouring the internet you know looking for hashtags that that highlight that then you know sorry bro yeah yeah yeah, there, there's only so many times you can go look at the hashtag vegan cat, though. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit of hunting, man. What uh, what trips your trigger? How was last season? 
Well, man, last season was not horrible. I didn't get nothing here locally. My boy uh, lucked out on a pretty nice little buck. and uh, But uh, we went to Idaho, and two of the three of us got bucks. Or actually, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. All three of us tagged out last year in Idaho. Yeah, it went, went pretty well. Can't complain. Where about in Idaho? Um, over around the salmon area, the eastern mid, I guess. Nice. Family or just, just the boys' trip? Or Yeah, no, it was just me and my son and my brother-in-law. We, uh, we try to do something together as often as we can. So it's yeah. uh, deer. What's uh, what's the uh, Oh, yeah. Deer hunting been what it's been about since I knew what antlers were. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. There, there's just something something about looking at a nice buck, whether it be a big monster or hell, even a little dinky spike fork. It don't matter to me. It's always uh, it's fascinating. They're amazing. So you're oh you're, yeah you're Central Coast. So are you uh, chasing any hogs up there? Or? Every chance I get, <laughs> it doesn't happen quite as often as I'd like these days. But uh, yeah, we uh, every every chance we get to get out, we're always looking for something. They uh, seems like this year is going well so far, though, man. I think I've seen more more posts and and hearing more stories of guys getting out there and getting pigs, even on public. Yeah, and it's been it's yeah. been quite phenomenal. Yeah, I think uh, the the amount of rain we got this year has a lot to do with that. But uh, I don't know about those guys that that are successful with pigs on public land. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for, say, 30 years now, and I think I've seen pigs on public land twice. <laughs> and that, and it's a misconception, right? Because people say, oh, I want to go down there and hunt pigs. And that's one of the things I always say. If you're going to, especially if you're out of state, your best mm-hmm. bet is to is to get on to a ranch or, you know, um, oh, yeah. chase them that way. Yeah, yeah. It, if you don't know somebody that's got some property, you better be willing to fork out the dough to go uh, pay somebody to let you shoot one. Yeah, and there, you know, and that's a hard one, right? You start start talking about a pig, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and you're. I think the going rate is probably about what seven to eight hundred bucks right now. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere right around there. Hell, I mean, a, a grand ain't nothing anymore. For for a good trophy pig, yeah, that's a little bit scary, man. You start talking about pigs, I take my chances on that BLM land that's bordering some damn property. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's time to start making friends real quick. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I I don't want to belittle it, right? But I mean, it that's spendy for a pig when you think about it. Um, oh yeah, but it's yeah, but I mean, fun as hell to chase them. Oh, most definitely. But hey, those guys have their bills to pay too. I mean, they oh, got absolutely. these lease bills and insurance and all that jazz so yeah, I mean, when you take it, it comes with the territory yeah well i you know i that buck man i hunted him with uh with ben and the guys over at wildlife west on cat and yeah. uh, ben starting to do pig hunts up in norcal now and uh looking at getting a group of guys together and get after them sometime uh spring of 2020 nice it's just that opportunity man they're they're fun animals to chase dude Oh yeah, it's like uh, like nothing else. They're uh, they're interesting critters for sure. They they'll surprise the hell out of you, man. Fast and weary. The eyesight oh, yeah. sucks though. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's yeah. the one advantage that you have with them. 
Yeah, if if you can work it right, you can get you can get right there in on them. But I don't know what it is. I I never have quite the luck that I wish. <laughs> That's in any hunting though. Oh yeah, I started chasing elk full time. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's how it feels, man. That's all I think about. But you know, started chasing elk last year, and it's just I don't know, man. Just the obsession and just uh-huh. wanting to be there constantly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how I got on elk. That's how fucking bad it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking no, pigs I and mean. I go into I, elk. I, that's, yeah, I'm that way one. with deer, though, so it's okay. That's a rough one, man. So let's talk a little bit, man. Butcher shop and uh, and the taxidermy there. Um, yes, sir. Why don't you tell us a little? Give us a little background on how you guys started in that, and then you know, let's talk about things to do that uh, don't piss you off when you get a guy that. Uh, <laughs> is uh, wanting you to make this uh make this lifelike realistic you know best mount he's ever seen and he butchers uh-huh. the cape yeah <laughs> oh man does that happen but yeah no i've been i've been doing taxidermy now since oh about 2005 i, I went to went to school and took took uh took a couple month long class on it and that really uh started everything off and i mean it's only snowballed from there I took took a little bit of time off when uh, when I got back from school just to try to save up some money to get uh, get an actual thing going and yeah it uh, actually funny enough the reason I I started doing it I was uh, I I had killed my first bull elk and I took it into the other other guy around here and I wasn't super happy with the outcome of it and uh, I said you know what this can't be that hard to do. <laughs> Little did I know. I was gonna say, man, it looks. <laughs> yeah, it's uh to do it to do it right is uh it's a it's a full time job. I mean, there's a uh, there's one. It's one of those things you can never stop learning. There's always something else that somebody else does that makes you just sit and think. Well, hey, why didn't I think of that? You know. There's so many little techniques. It's 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 pretty cool. It's really an art form, man. I look at some mounts and it's just to me it's mind blowing because it's like oh yeah, you know. And I haven't. I'm scared to even look into it, right? Because I I'm one of those guys, man. I start looking into something and it's over with. Oh yeah, I'll be spending you know dime after dime after dime on foam and. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Looks a little scary. That's that's why <laughs> we'll be hanging out more. <laughs> we'll just we'll just say that. There you go. I mean, it's definitely an art form, though. So, um, what are what are some of the mistakes us hunters make um, when we're out in the field and we think we're doing a good job um, taping <laughs> that animal? What are, what are some things? Give us the basics. Um, you know, just walk us down that path from, you know, maybe harvesting or killing that animal um, all the way through caping it out that we should be worried about as far as our taxidermist. Yeah. Well, the first thing, the one thing I run into a lot is uh, guys that don't know what they're doing that swear up and down that they do. I mean, I can't tell you how often I get guys in and say, oh, hey, bring, I want to do a shoulder mount or whatever. And they bring me in two thirds of a neck. And well, hey man, we're gonna we got a couple options, but a shoulder mount ain't one of them. <laughs> yeah, so just 
if if you don't know how to do something, ask. That's 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 the biggest thing. I mean, that that should be the first step. Learn what you learn what you want to do. I mean, or if you don't feel like messing with it, bring it to me. I'm more than happy to take care of it. <laughs> if, if bringing it out whole is an option and you don't know what you're doing beyond that, give me a call. <laughs> makes I mean, but it makes life a lot easier on both of you, right? Because guys are pretty concerned you know when they get that mount back it they they want perfection but it doesn't start and end with the taxidermist right oh no it starts as soon as you you decide to pull that trigger i mean as soon as that trigger is pulled and you shoot your deer the bacteria goes to work i mean as soon as that deer dies it's uh you're dealing with a decomposing body you know we gotta you the you gotta get that stuff cool as quick as possible. I mean, there's there's no no other way around it. That's that's one of the most important things. Get that thing cooled down. So it's just I mean, it's just like handling our meat, right? The dirt, um oh, yeah. moisture, uh getting it cool. I mean, it's all as important as taking care of that meat if you're looking at, you know, getting that mount. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, you can you've got a little more playtime with meat and uh, not playtime, but you know what I'm trying to say you've got a little bit more working room, but yeah, if you, if it's one of these hot Southern California A zone openers and you kill a whopper, you better get that thing cool pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're, uh, you're not going to like to have a, a cape with a big old bald spot on it or a bigger bill. Cause I had to buy you a replacement cape. <laughs> so, so what are, let's go through some of the, some of the mistakes and then let's talk about the process where we sh- where should we start that cut for the cape where do we end it you know base of the skull things like that um how far down those front legs should we be going so let's talk about yeah. some of the mistakes you see um and then get into that that process yeah for sure um one thing guys do a lot is like i was saying they cut it short i like most people when when you get the cape brought in I like about six inches behind that front leg to that way I ensure that I've definitely got enough hide there because I mean, who knows, you might get halfway through the tanning process and you just call me up and decide, Hey, you know what? Let's do a pedestal on that guy instead of a wall mount. And if I don't have the Cape there, there's nothing to, nothing to extend it out, you know? And, uh, as far as the legs go, I like to cut them off at the knee. That's that's the easiest easiest spot. Nice good working area there. So the six inches behind the the front legs is about mid rib cage. Right, is too much. I mean, is there a such thing as too much when you start looking at that? Is it a problem if a guy no. goes, "Hey, I started," you know, "I started mid back." <laughs> oh no. Hell no. More the better. I, I, I'd rather have way too much to work with than not enough. I can always cut some. Yeah, a lot easier to cut it off than add to it. Yeah, for sure. I don't have, I haven't figured out that magic power yet. Um, And then what about, okay, so what, what kind of cut are we making, you know, say, you know, up the back and then yeah. take us into that process? Yeah, so some, some guys like it when, when you tube out the neck and you do a little short incision up around the head, but. Personally, I, I, I like to take the whole, the whole incision from cut to the base of the skull. I don't mind a little bit extra sewing. I'm probably going to cut it open more anyways, if you don't. So you might as well, it makes your life easier in the, in the process of skipping it out. 
yeah, I, that, like I said, I'm, I'm probably going to cut it open anyway. So you might as well, you're not really saving any time. And then when you start, so you're working up that, working up that spine, basically we'll call it mid rib cage mm -hmm. up the spine to the base of the skull. Um, and then we trace around the bottom of the base of the antler, um, as tight as we can. Yeah. I mean, right when you get to the the back of the skull, if you, if you're going to keep it out yourself, that's where you start your Y. You make a, a, a V from that point to the back of each antler and, uh, you pull it off the, beneath the antler burr. And usually at that point I, I go from the muzzle and work my way back to the eyes. That way I can, I can get all that fine detail stuff and I leave enough lip and all that other other jazz so you're not uh, shorten yourself there either wow so you'll actually so you'll make your y up to the mm -hmm. antlers from the back and then you'll flip around and then go basically is yep. backwards how I, I see it. yeah I, I start my cut right at the tooth line and the gums and i'll peel everything all the way back i'll go through that uh, lacrimal gland in front of the eye some guys call it the tear duct um and then i'll peel back as far as i can that way and then i'll turn it back over and work my uh work my earbuds off and take it the rest of the way off so let's let's talk detail a little bit so you know when i when i lift the that lip or i roll that bottom lip i want to be basically where that thin skin is is touching the gum or do i want to be a little bit higher up yeah like i said like i said I, I start right at the tooth line and pull it down i mean you don't you definitely don't need to turn them in the field or anything you just leave all that all that super fine stuff for when i get it that that makes life easier all the way around but uh, yeah just right start right at the tooth line and, and peel it out i mean you can't have too much like i was saying I, uh, there's always always stuff that gets cut off regardless but i I'd, I'd much rather have too much that way i've got enough lip to tuck in or nose to tuck in or what have you and then what about at the eyes so the eyes are always what I'm nervous about, man. It's uh, to me, it seems like the trickiest part, right? Cause you want to get, and, and I guess it's just like the gums, but you want to get as deep as you can in there. Right. Again, leaving, leaving more is better. Yeah. Yes. And no. I mean, I, I generally cut any interior eyelid off and when I do my eyes, I pin them. So as long as you don't cut through the exterior of the eyelid, there's really not much, not much there you can mess up doing the eyes the eyes are actually way easier than you think yeah i don't know why i always spend a bunch of time worried about you know the eye i i again yeah. i think for me it's just you know I'm, I'm trying not to short it and i don't know enough about the whole process to mm -hmm. not be nervous about it i guess <laughs> yeah for sure I'm, I'm i'm actually hoping to get a couple videos out here in the next few weeks oh that'd be really cool get here in now what about the ears the ears, I mean, the easiest way if you're going to do it in the field, you can see where the, the, the ear butt coming off the ear canal connects to the head. You could, there's a natural, a natural line there. You can just break them off right there. It's, it seems right out across the back of the, or the side of the head, I guess. And yeah, once you, once you see, you'll, you'll hit that ear canal and just keep going. And as long as you don't start seeing hair from the inside, you're doing good. <laughs> yeah, I've done that once or twice. You know, it happens to the best of us. I can't, I can't deny it. So um, I'm going to step us back a little bit. So as we're as we're mm -hmm. peeling that cape, if we've cooled a little bit, it you know, yeah, a, a lot of times you you can you know if you get it 
going fast enough, you could just peel peel the hide right off. Now, if we oh yeah, you know, we get Especially some cooling, right? If we get some cooling there, and I know you guys are removed fat, and it's you know it's more mm -hmm. work for you, but is it? I guess for a guy that's a little less experienced, it's mm -hmm. is it better to leave a little bit of that that fat layer? Um, that they have under there. I mean, you don't want to get into the hide at all, right? You you nick the back of that hide, and you and you'll get yeah. the air releasing, right? Yeah, I mean, some some guys frown on when they get uh, a cape in that's got uh, well stakes, like we like to call them sometimes. Right. <laughs> but you know what? I'd rather I'd rather do a little bit more fleshing than sewing at the end. It's it's a personal preference, I guess. But some some people don't mind sewing. Some people don't mind taking a little extra flesh off. And you think, well, I don't know. I and I'm I'm really I'm struggling a little bit because you know it's outside the box looking in. But uh -huh. for me, I would rather leave the fat on, or if if it, if I was in your shoes, I'd rather leave the fat on there or the steak. Uh -huh. Um and then at the end of it, right, it's gonna it's gonna be a better it's gonna be a better mount. You're not having to stitch it up. And I don't know how how difficult that is to stretch that stuff back and stitch it, but I can't imagine it's uh super easy when guys are being you know super critical of every little line they see you know as as long as you don't have like a super long gouge through your cape like you went and slit your deer's throat or something or you slipped with your knife for those uh fancy dandy havilon knives guys are using these days and put a big old easy cut through it as long as it's not something monstrous it's it's pretty easily fixable i mean you're always going to have a few holes here or there regardless if I don't poke them, the tannery will poke them when they're uh, thin in the hide down. So you brought up something there, man. Have you uh -huh. seen Have you seen more hide damage with with the surgical blades being more uh, popular with guys bringing um, stuff in? As as they've gotten more popular, it's actually slowed down a little bit. Guys are figuring out how to use them more. When they first came out, it was a <laughs> it was a sewing party, man. There was there was holes holes everywhere and i imagine for me i just started using one and uh i'm a little bit nervous with it man because i'm worried about slipping you slip in the field and if you're you know if it's a bad enough cut i don't care if you're you know two miles out it, it could mean uh it could be nasty oh yeah yeah those things will cut you and they'll they won't quit cutting either they uh, I cut myself plenty of times using <laughs> using one of those. Luckily, I lose mine every, about every six days, so it doesn't doesn't really affect much. Excuse me. So no worries. So what are what are some of the things, man? I I sent you a bullet on our notes here. Um, yes, sir. Don't blame me, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you catch hell, right? A taxidermist has to catch it from a guy's mistakes, man. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, generally, generally we can address them when they come in. Like, uh, like I was saying, with the being too short and all that stuff. But yeah, once in a while, there's a you get a, a, a jackpot, as we like to call it. Uh, yeah, uh, the one you get a lot is that. I don't know. My deer had a much bigger neck than that. Yeah, sorry, no, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's. That's one you hear once in a while because I mean guys take the big the field photos and they're the grip and grins I guess um, and the deer's all slumped up and the neck looks ginormous but I mean uh, average neck I get around this area is like a 17 18 inch neck is a pretty damn big deer 
Yeah. I mean, whereas you get the bucks come in from Colorado, you get 23, 24 inches on a really big one and you're doing some business. But that, I mean, you take the guys that take the measurement in the field sometimes, oh, my deer got a 30 inch neck. I mean, I don't know, not unless it's some kind of throwback dinosaur, but you measure on the outside of the, on the outside of the hair, you're gaining another two or three inches right there by, by itself. You know? I think we've all been there, man. <laughs> he was all ruddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. was swollen. But it's I mean, what, my yeah, well, the, the telltale is how much hide you have to work with. Right. I mean, you're not. Oh yeah. that That's the biggest thing. I mean, actually I just sent one home a couple of days ago that, one uh, one armpit and part of the brisket was just completely gone and I couldn't get a hold of the guy so I had to go rogue and I, I covered it up with a I made a big fancy dandy rock on there and made it look all pretty and he was pretty happy with it but he wished the hide was there I told him I wish the hide was there too <laughs> but there comes a point when you got to just go do something so the age-old question man why is it taking so long you know what it all it depends where you land in line that's that's the big part i mean the other the the biggest weight generally is the tannery depending on where you go it can take a month to six months you know that's that's where the weight is generally if i if i'm going along along at a good clip once i get my heights back i can get two or three deer mounted in a day it's not Yeah, it's it's not not too big of a deal. I mean, it, it's a lot of work, but it's all part of the territory. I mean, you do what you got to do. What what's so? What's the average time you'd say on a mount from start to finish? Well, like just just putting it together. Or the no, whole, well, the, I want I want to know the whole process first, and then I was going to hit you with the your time on it. Oh, okay. Well. It, See if I if I get stuff out out of here to the tannery at a relatively easy pace. That's it. Generally, where I go, it takes a month or less to get them back if I'm super lucky. <laughs> and then it probably four hours to put one together if I'm. So and it, then it really is few, falling in line. I mean, you. you we, I want to get a disclaimer out there, right? Because guys are going to be calling you going, Hey, you said it was a month and four hours. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I, well, I got a, hey, oh, sorry. In go a perfect world. In a perfect world. But no, I mean, it, everything takes time. And sometimes you do run, run into those issues. You have to make, uh, make adjustments and get handled. I mean, not every deer is going to fit every form that's out there. So with the, uh, with the tannery, you got to wait in line there too, right? I mean, I got to imagine at the end of, uh, end of season, like a season like a zone where it's, what are we seven weeks? I think a zone or eight weeks, something like that. Right. At the end of that season with the 60,000 plus tags that get sold in that, uh, (laughs) I got to imagine that just about every taxidermist in the, in the state was salivating a couple of days ago with that opener, man, you know, right. the season, um, uh, but falling in line with the tanneries. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm sure it's just, you fall in line and you, you're waiting, um, nothing you could do about, about the process. And it, to me, it's one of those things where it's, you know, cliche, don't rush the process. 
Um, yeah, for sure. So how do they? I'm gonna, I'm jumping all over the fucking place. Sorry. How do they tan? What are they What are they doing? I've seen. I've heard cedar chips and tumbling. Um, you know, you watch like the uh, one of them uh, Alaskan shows, and the guys using brains and. Uh-huh. That's 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 the old old school way to do it. But yeah, I mean, every tannery has their own special mixture. Um, I can't remember exactly what these guys are using right now, but uh, yeah, it's just a, a different mixture of chemicals. I mean. <clears throat> it takes all the takes all the uh, whatever natural oil might be left in, even though you've. Uh, I send them in salted, obviously, and then whatever uh, whatever natural oils might still be in there, they get pushed out with one chemical, and new chemicals put other oils back in to keep them to keep them a, a viable a viable cape, and then they uh, they they shave down and get everything looking pretty and they depends if you want a wet tan or dry tan they if the dry tan that's when that's when they tumble them and get them all soft and if you get a wet tan it, it comes back and you throw it in the freezer or you mount it so what's the difference between the two i mean what uh yeah you got to help me out with the wet and dry what's the, the, the difference the basic difference between a wet tan and a dry tan is the dry tan has been tumbled <laughs> So that's the, that's the, well, I was told, yeah, wood yeah, chips that, or something like that. Yeah. They use a uh, sawdust or cob dust or everybody has their own preference. Like I was saying on other stuff, but yeah, they, uh, that's the basic difference between the two ones. One's been tumbled. One hasn't the tumbled one you, you can leave out and the, the, the wet tan, you either have to freeze it or, or mount it when you get it. So then your process with, with the foam, cause that's, that's the art part of it, right? Is, is bringing that life back to that animal. Um, how does that go? Are you, do you shape the foam? I mean, is it, I mean, I understand it's pretty much, you know, there for you, but with like muscle structure and things like that, how do you go about that? Yeah, it depends. I mean, the, the biggest, the biggest thing is find, finding a sculptor that you like that, that does the best job. And, uh, ordering accordingly i mean there's there's a lot of different different companies out there and different sculptors that everybody has their own idea about the way things look but i mean you you can't uh, you can't argue with actual measurements from the animal itself and that's that's where uh, where mike gets all of his info from <clears throat> and uh, yeah so do you? So you measure the cape and things like that. You shoot him that info. Yeah. And say, okay. I want yeah. There's this one. different measurements you take. Actually, actually, like I was saying earlier, if you bring bring your stuff in whole, sometimes that's better off because I like to take measurements everywhere that's possible, like nostril openings and lip line and eye openings and all that jazz. You can't, you can't uh, once you pick up a, a tape measure and the calipers, it's it's uh, it's all all kinds of fun. <laughs> Uh, you get those intricacies though in that. Yeah. Is bringing in, you know, does a photo, you know, does a photo help Does a grip and grin help when you get those, when you get those capes, does that help in that process? No, sometimes. I mean, if you have a, like a, sometimes like a trail cam photo is a really cool reference tool with the, with the grip and grin. I mean, you're looking at a dead animal. There's not much, uh, 
not much you're going to see about how he naturally carries himself, you know? It's amazing to me, man, just to get, to be able to get that vision and, and put that together, <clears throat> excuse me, and put <laughs> that back together is something else. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it can be uh, a chore some days. <laughs> it's, you, some days you just sit and pick hairs where you want them to sit. <laughs> you can just sit there for hours. Now, what about uh, guys will get, well, I, I shouldn't say guys because I got one in here. Um, <laughs> how long can you hold a cape? Um, say if a guy said, man, I really want to get this mounted. I can't afford, you know, what mm -hmm. you know, XYZ cost. Um, how, do they, how do they care for that mount? Um, how do they store it? Do they salt it? What What's that process? And then how long um, can they wait to do it? Yeah, um, that, that's a good question. Um, I usually tell guys if, if they can't get it in right away to like double bag it in trash bags and get as much air out as possible. And it'll keep in the freezer for a year, two years. Hell, I've, I've saved things that were in the freezer for three or more years before too. Yeah, it's it, it it just getting that air out's the biggest thing. But even at that, freezer burns not the worst issue. There's a uh, ammonia works wonders on uh, thawing out freezer burn stuff, rehydrating. And do you salt that, or are you just you know fold her up real nice, or roll her up real nice and throw her in? Just leave it, leave it fresh, and fold it, fold it up, uh, meat side together, and roll it up in a nice little ball and double wrap it in trash bags and just chuck it in the freezer and you're uh unless unless your freezer goes down you should be good to go for quite a while that gives me some i got something for you <laughs> 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 i've been reluctant and i'm like man i don't even know <laughs> but yeah that's uh, yeah i got I a mean, good one there, in there. there's no perfect science to it but some sometimes things are beyond saving but you never know until you try yeah, because I have, and, and I don't know how I did that, man. I have that uh, that uh, rack that I have sitting, and I didn't uh -huh. intend to mount it. And then when I look back on the pictures, I'm like, man, that was just a beautiful buck. And then knowing the area and the difficulty um, of that deer in that area and his size, um, it's made me want to mount that. And I, I don't know how I forgot to bring those when I picked up that, uh, that mount, man. <laughs> Oh, it happens. It ain't no thing. As soon now, as I walked gonna... up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you walking empty-handed. Like, oh, man. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, as soon as we went around to the other side of the truck, dude, I, I was just like, oh, son of a bitch, man. I was bummed <laughs> out. And they're sitting right here. I mean, I look at them every day, every single day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know how that goes. It, it's one of those things. Yeah, but yeah, well, now we have an excuse to get together and have a beer sometime. Heck yeah, man. I got a, I got one in the freezer after hearing this and and that buck so that uh yeah hopefully like I told you man I hopefully I'll uh I'll be bringing a couple elk to you this year so I hope so man I hope we all I hope we all have so much luck so um where were we on the on the taxidermy part man and the don't blame me's um <laughs> what else are guys uh, doing that uh, that you're catching it for or okay, is there a level of expectation that guys have that it's just not possible to turn that stuff around? No, I mean not really. The, 
only other thing I could think is uh, sometimes guys will come in with like a, a predetermined, not just pose, but like a predetermined mannequin they want to use or something. And that's, that's not how, how my shop works. I, I go with one sculptor as much as possible. And then if I can get, I'll get you close to whatever you want. But if it's, if it's not, uh, not right there in, in, in what he offers, we can, we can, we can work something out, but gen generally I can usually find something pretty close if, if it's, uh, I mean, unless it's some crazy abstract shape thing, but there, there's some crazy stuff out there these days, man. I've seen deer with fangs, wide open mouths, <laughs> all kind of, it's like, why would you even do that? Yeah, I don't know. If in if in here, it's all about the respect to the animal. I'm not. Uh, I'm not the guy that does crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Robot eyes and all kind of yeah. Shit. I, for me, it's just you know, as close as you can to the beauty of that animal when I first laid eyes on it. Right? How that's how exactly. I want to remember it. I don't want to do some kooky old, you know. I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it, that's what it's about. It's about bringing bringing that memory back to life and being being something you can hang on your wall and keep as long as you take care of it. You know. Yeah, and like I said, man, I I sat in there. I it, my wife was like, I don't like that mount there, and I, I had I didn't say a word. And then about an hour later, <laughs> she goes, Babe, I think you should put the mount over with the other ones. And I said, I heard you the first time. And the reason I put it there, man, is because, you know, he has that broken left side, uh, uh -huh. that that bend, that sharp bend. And I can see it perfectly from my chair. Nice. <laughs> and it's like, <clears throat> I just love staring at it. Uh -huh. what, what's the saying? It's easier to ask for uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Mission. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for her to tell me, OK, move it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you go put it over your bed. Yeah. Oh, she <laughs> She would kill me, man. <laughs> she would kill yeah. me. I know how that goes. It would, uh, yeah, that would not be a fun conversation. I should do that. I'm going to do that just to get the reaction. <laughs> I'll do that when she's at work and I get home and I'll hang it in there and yeah. maybe and get a set of your favorite chair or something. Yeah, get a fun little video of that. That'd be great. She would flip <laughs> out. I don't know if I could put it on anything because I'm sure the explicits would be, uh, would be off the charts. That sounds far too familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so change it up a little bit, man. Um, you're, you're a crossbreed of sorts um, when it comes <laughs> to, you know, dealing with the mounts. But then you also uh, have another business um, handling meats and cooking. Yeah, well, meat. yeah, I don't uh, I, I don't process too much anymore. I'm, I'm too slammed with taxidermy, which I guess is a good thing. but. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I ran this as a butcher shop for quite a while before I just went as much taxidermy as possible. <clears throat> Excuse me. So but yeah, it's a it, it was a oh, oh, a one stop shop of, of sorts. But there there's a to me there's a benefit in that, um, and that is talking meat care, right? First and foremost, oh, thank you. Before that mount, in my opinion, before that mount can even be thought of, we have a responsibility to make sure that we peel salvage harvest however you look at it as much mm -hmm. of that meat and usable uh 
protein from that animal as we can. Um, and there's a lot of different, you know, techniques and there's talk about different temperatures. I know some of the silly stuff that I've done, uh, over (laughs) the years and, and, you know, really kind of questioned myself, um, you know, letting, letting bags hang for three or four days in temperatures that were probably questionable. Um, and then having a concern for the meat. Um, so what's, Give us give us some general rules when we're you know after we kill the animal we skin and we're quartering out things like that. Yeah, well, the simplest part. I mean, get it cold as fast as possible or cool. I mean, if you're out in the, out in the woods or whatever and you're uh, you're quartering that guy up, I like to hang it hang it up in a tree and let the let that breeze blow around it. And we used to. I, I grew up taking it out whole. I mean, we, we, we hunted hard, but not hard enough to have to break stuff down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'd, uh, growing up, we'd skin it out and hang it up in my barn for two days, hang it up high with a, with the deer bag around it and let the wind blow through the barn, through the breezeway and cool it down. And it, uh, it cooled it down nice, but, uh, yeah, getting stuff cool is the getting that body heat out is the most important part. I mean, even even if you think you do it, and then I know some guys pack out horseback and whatnot. The guys don't think about that uh, that body heat from the horse. We uh, I know I know stories of, of a few guys that have lost lost deer because they uh, didn't cool it down before they started packing out, and they uh, by the time they got back to the back to the trailer their stuff was mostly green i mean it was a long ride but <laughs> still it's kind of a shitty situation hell yeah i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't even think right because a lot of guys man you, you know you you get that animal dressed you you know or you quarter it out you throw in your bags um mm-hmm. and you think that hey this is you know this is it let me let me book it back to the truck or you know base yep. camp or whatever I never even considered that. And as soon as you said it, I was like, "Oh, damn! The body heat's not got that airflow going." Oh yeah, that. yeah. It's yeah, really it's, just uh, about getting that that moisture evaporating out of that meat at that point, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. You want to you want to get just any 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 heat and any of the all that the moisture from the blood and whatnot, and get all as much of that out as you can, and just let it. Uh, let it cool naturally if you if that's what you're doing or if you got access to getting in a cooler fast get it in the cooler i mean that's that's the easiest way to do it i i like to i've got a after hours drop off cooler outside for guys if if the, if they uh, get something late and bring it in can't get me down here at oh dark 30 i <laughs> i keep my cooler outside for guys to guys to drop stuff off in and make sure there's old and what about what about bone in versus bone out? So I'm a I'm a bone in guy, but the reason I'm a bone in guy has more to do with the packability of it. Um, you know, in my pack, uh, it's a stable load. Is there any concern with, um, you know, with the bone helping hold the heat and things like that? You know, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. I I personally I would do it bone in myself. Um, but I mean, boneless, you're going to, you're going to lose some more of that heat. If you take the bone out, that, that only makes sense. But, uh, I don't think it's, it's really enough if you, cause once you get that hide off, it's going to start cooling down anyways. That's, so, I, I mean, 
I, I think it's all personal preference. Speaking as a processor, I'd rather have it bone in when it comes in. Because <laughs> uh, some guys like to pack up their stuff super tight and you lose lose shape of what some clods of random meat and stuff are. Because, I mean, guys, not everybody knows how to bone stuff out the right way. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times you get random lumps and clumps of meat that could be shoulder or backstrap or <laughs> who knows what. So, man, you brought up a couple things there. When you're, when you look at, so just say a hindquarter, right? And and mm-hmm. each one of those muscles um, is a different cut of meat. Yeah. Right. So as you're separating that, and you can stop me at any point because I'm I'm just talking off of my experience. So if I decide I'm going to bone stuff out, I actually will lift up you know, that, that muscle, whatever that single piece of muscle looks like. And then that connective tissue and that membrane, I'll just follow that pretty much with my hand, just working it back and forth. If it's warm enough, it just tears. And then I'll yeah. you know, get to that tendon or whatever. And then I'll just cut that piece off. Boom. It's that's one mm-hmm. cut right there. I'm not just, you know, willy nilly. I'm just cutting, just cutting, just cutting. Um, uh, the, the, easiest way to, to <laughs> the easiest way to do it. I like once you get that hindquarter off, go from the, the ball socket and make a straight cut line from there down to the, uh, to the knee, I guess. And you can kind of just peel that around both sides and you can even actually take, go down, take shank meat off with it too. And then uh, you've got generally, you got three basic <clears throat> primal roasts out of it Four if you count the, 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 uh, sirloin that's across the top, but, once you get that bone out, it like you said, you pretty much just follow the seams, and it's almost as easy as if it had zipper. Sometimes, yeah, I might make it. I mean, listen to you say it, I might make it harder on myself than I need to. But that's one of the things that always concerned me was, like you're saying, just having a random ass ball of meat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some guys, like I was saying, you just they they bring in random chunks and pieces and expect everything to look like it came from the grocery store <laughs> you know sometimes i just like i'm not a miracle miracle worker i mean that's not bad if you're going for ground or sausage <laughs> oh yeah for sure right ground for or sure. sausage it doesn't really matter but if you want your roast and the good stanks and yeah, the steaks and everything then after, you gotta be after a, some <laughs> yeah you, you're gonna have to take your time uh, at least a yeah. little bit of time right yeah yeah I, taking your time is the it's it's pretty easy to take your time. That's that's where it's going to make a, a good piece of meat or a bad piece of meat, handling stuff the right way. I mean, the biggest thing, though, is keeping it clean. I can't tell you how many deer or pigs or whatever come in this place and just full of dirt and leaves and rocks and sand and everything you could think of. And that, means, and, that meat is done. No, not necessarily. I mean... If it comes in full of sand, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to grind that stuff because it's going to ruin my, my machinery. <laughs> but uh, it, it doesn't take a couple, any extra time to clean stuff, you know. Guys, guys worry a lot about water and washing off their stuff. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Adding a little bit of water to something just to rinse it off or to wipe it off with a damp rag or whatever, it's not going to grow enough bacteria in it to let anything bad happen. Yeah. Cause I have a tank that I have, I keep four and a half gallons 
uh, mm-hmm. pretty much just for that. Uh, rinse oh, off perfect. some of that bloodshot or, you know, <clears throat> if I happen yeah. to get dirt on it, I put a tarp down um, and I'll yeah. you know, do my best to put uh, put everything on that tarp. But there's always one, you know, you got one slider <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> if, no, if you're on the hill perfect. slide. But uh, around here, a lot of guys like to, uh, they're so the road system the way they is. There uh, a lot of guys like to drag their stuff out whole, and they don't think about that when they get back to the truck. You know, they come back and it's all full of full of grass or sand or God knows what, and it's just it can be a mess sometimes. And they're dragging with hide on, right? Oh, of course. Right, dress. <laughs> are they doing it? I mean, are they getting stuff in that in that abdominal cavity or in the body cavity? I mean, they they'll they'll get it gutted and just start hauling aspect of the truck and dragging everything along the ground with it you know yeah that uh i don't know man i don't think like you know we were hunting texas for a while and uh yeah there we you know we were in a position to where we could drag it get you know get a vehicle to it throw it in the back of the vehicle and get it to the meat yeah time. but i've never in all the time i've been hunting here man i don't think i've ever even considered that <laughs> I've even well, no, I shouldn't say that. I I went in on a mountain bike and uh, didn't feel like carrying it, so I strapped the deer to the mountain bike and just walked it out and uh-huh. brought, brought it home and hung it up. But between my wife and my nice. daughter, man, I caught a tongue lash in that. Uh, <laughs> last, yeah, lasted me to this day. So I don't I don't ever see myself doing that one again. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, we we actually get in more or got in more here whole than anything else i mean we'd get a few mainly guys that would go out of state would bring their stuff back quartered obviously but local local deer and pigs and whatnot most guys are gonna would bring it in whole i mean there there's so many so many damn roads around this place you can't hardly throw a rock without hitting one i guess yeah it has its benefits i tell you that i mean yeah drag it a few hundred yards more yeah exactly I think uh, uh, the farthest we ever drug one once was maybe not quite a mile, but that was, that was different circumstances. The place we were hunting, we had to, they required us to bring it out whole. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, come check out where you're hunting, man. Cause I'm always packing out. <laughs> killing, oh yeah. No, trust, there's there's plenty myself. of places you could, you can work harder and break stuff down, but sometimes you don't have to work as hard as guys think. I, but there's <laughs> again, you know, for me, it's just, I enjoy that part of the process. <clears throat> oh, heck yeah. So I don't good. even know if I, if I even had the opportunity, if I would, if I would take it, it's just something about, you know, not just field dressing it, but quartering out and bagging it and hanging yeah. it and, you know, put it in the pack and, and making that, sure. you know, that walk out. I just love it. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I should have prefaced that by saying a lot of the stuff I get in is off of private ranches. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there, there's not a lot of not a lot of packing when you get uh, get on some of these ranches. <laughs> they go up to feeder and pick out one. That's some. Uh, you guys, uh, Central Coast has some huge, you know, ten thousand. I think there's a couple ranches up there that are probably close to twenty, thirty thousand acres, man. Oh yeah, there there's some big ones up here. I mean, there's uh, there's no 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 shortage of cattle property and wine property. And I even think about the wine property that has to, uh, that has to make for a pretty good deer, man. 
You know, it does. There's uh, actually some of the best uh, best wild pork I ever I've ever cut came out of one of the vineyards up here. Pretty neat. You cut it open and it smells like wine inside. That was uh, pretty interesting. Oh wow! So just yeah, yeah. all the grapes just fermenting. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was it was something else. And cut cut open the he, the guy had just killed it right up the road, so he didn't even gut it. He just brought it in, which didn't make me too happy, but. Uh, yeah, got inside. It smelled like somebody uncorked a bottle. It was it was pretty crazy, actually. That's pretty neat. I never, uh, yeah, I would have never even considered. Well, I wouldn't have considered not gutting the animal at least. <laughs> yeah. At least that, that wasn't the best of mornings. But uh, he actually ended up giving me most of that pig, so it all worked out. Yeah, a quick field dress, <laughs> man. Ain't gonna hurt nothing. Uh-huh. So uh, I don't even know where we're at, man. We're just all over. So we talked about, yeah, we talked about the meat care a little bit. Any preference in bags? I, I know some guys like uh, like cotton. I know guys that use uh, like gunny sack types. I like synthetic. Any preference? You know, the, the ones I found that are out right now, I like the best are those Kuyu bags. The, the Those ones seem to seem to be the toughest out of all the, of the stuff that's out there. A lot of guys like to use those, those cheap uh, like cheesecloth bags. Those just suck. Yeah, there's, you, there's no way. <laughs> well, I mean, even a small fracture of a bone or anything, man, and those things tear open. Oh yeah, because yeah, I've, those are, I've used them, and yeah, I won't use them anymore. No, no, I, actually, hell, the the easiest thing I, that we've ever used is just pillowcases. Okay. That's they're small and easy and lightweight. And there's nothing the, uh, wrong, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that cotton either. Oh no, no, you can get, get a couple quarters in one bag and not have to not even think about it, you know, but yeah, gr- growing up, we used to use the, uh, the, uh, the canvas m- mattress bags from the army surplus. <laughs> yeah. The there's, but there's quite a few canvas bags on the market, but for me, oh, yeah. I, I'm concerned with the flow, um, the airflow around them because they're a lot yeah. thicker. Um, they just, it doesn't seem like they would allow the air to flow into them. And then with the canvas, um, mm-hmm. I'd be worried about the bacteria a little bit, you know, kind of hold. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I like the, the thinner synthetic bags or like a pillowcase is even better. Yeah. Yeah. I like to use cotton as much as possible, but I mean, everybody's different. There's as long as, as long as you're keeping it clean and cool, there's not really too much that's going to go wrong no matter what you're using. Well, yeah. Contractor bag. Cause I've. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that be the primary and I'm like, whoa, buddy. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's always that the guy that brings them in in a hefty sack. But, you know, (laughs) to each their own, I suppose. Yeah, that's that's a scary one, though. I mean, you want to talk about your meat going and going fast. Yeah. Anything that's evaporating is just sticking right in there and just breeding. Oh, yeah. A pool of yuck. Yeah. No, that one. No, I carry a couple um for you know if i'm in a situation to where i gotta dunk it or something i can you know mm-hmm. put in that bag and put in a crick or something and get it cooled down uh last yeah, year exactly. when i shot the buck um up in central cal um it was a hundred i think that day was a hundred and two or 103 or something like that yeah that sounds about right <laughs> it was a mad freaking dash man and and that was oh, one yeah. of the things i'm like do i need to bust this out and you know take the time and put it in here and let it cool a little or do i just you know put in the pack haul ass 
um, and get back to the uh, and get back to ice. And then by the time I got back to camp and I, I opened up the cooler and the ice was pretty much gone, man. And <laughs> at that point, it was like, shit, tear camp down and then make the hour and 45 minute drive, you know, uh-huh. whatever it was to get uh, to get ice and get that thing cared for, man. That's oh, one yeah. thing that kills me. Like if I if I do not use all the meat timely if i get a little freezer burn or if i didn't you know vacuum seal enough um just wasted any bit of that meat just drives me up a wall yeah yeah same here it uh i i hate to leave anything behind or anything like that like you said freezer burn is always an unpleasant surprise yeah (laughs) I just feel like a P, uh, a POS man when uh you know what I mean you you just you took that animal's life utilized oh, yeah. every little bit of it you know Mhm I'm yeah even with the freezer burn stuff I I've been known to uh go for it anyway <laughs> Oh yeah yeah if it if depending on how bad it is sometimes it just comes out of that package into the uh into the package that goes for ground next time you know uh, I'll put it somewhere Yeah uh, my dog enjoys it that's yeah, that always works too. <laughs> I just, but even even then, I just don't. It, I don't feel right about it. Yeah, you know, if it's scrap meat or you know trimmings or something like that, I'll I'll cook them up for the dog. But uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I have a hard time, man, killing an animal and not. Uh, I even cut out that little bit of rib meat. You know, if the animals, well, some of our blacktail here in that A zone, I mean, that stuff is paper <laughs> thin. As long as you don't let them age, you're okay. When they went age more than a couple of days, they turn see through. Yeah, I, that in that the truth. <laughs> What's that Italian meat? Uh, yeah. Bruschetta or something like that. That's <laughs> some of them. Yeah. As soon as you skin them, that's what it looks like. It's so thin. Man. Oh yeah, tiny little bodies. Yeah, gr- growing up, we always we always just cut the ribs and ate them ate them like ribs. I mean, until until I opened my shop, I really didn't even know any different. I thought everybody did that. It's funny, man, because you'll see a carcass out, and it's like, damn, look at all the meat left on that. Yeah. And, and to each his own, right? To each his own. Every guy's out there with, you know, with a different outlook on it. But it, it, it kind of pisses me off a little bit. It's like that's all, that was all usable, and you left it there. You know, like neck yeah. meat. Neck meat's one of the things that I've seen get wasted more than anything is the freaking neck oh, yeah. meat. Oh, um, You'll see that deer and, and, you know, they'll cape it and they'll pull the quarters. You get the back strap, the tenderloin, and then it's like damn near the whole neck is still sitting on that deer. Yeah. Yeah. It's either sitting on the deer or it's still wrapped up in the cape waiting for me to cape it out. And that's a, I don't know. A lot of guys are like, oh, stew meat or grass. I like neck meat. I think it's good meat. Yeah. Yeah. We usually, if we don't, uh, don't cook it like a roast, we'll, uh, actually I'll, I'll I like to follow that backstrap all the way up as far as can because you can you peel it out and you'll you'll still get that that good uh, that good loin pretty much all about two thirds of the way up the neck. Yeah, and and more times than not, we're stopping at that shoulder, and I'm making assumptions and broad stroking based on what I've seen. But guys will stop at that shoulder and then you know work his way back from there. Um, and yeah, that's that's what we consider the backstrap. But you're right, man. It goes it goes a good way is up that neck. Oh yeah, yeah. You can, yeah, damn near, damn near all the way. Sometimes it just depends on depends on the time of year. I mean, you get a 
But at the end of the season, it's all rutted up and stuff. Sometimes that neck meat's not worth saving, but you got to do something with it. <laughs> yeah. Soak it in salt water or buttermilk or something, get that stink out of there. But a ground sausage. I mean, can, oh, yeah. You really can't go wrong with ground and sausage. <laughs> no, no, because you can always add some other good stuff to it and you don't even know it. A little bit of pig fat, a little bit of beef fat. Oh, yeah. I like to use uh, bacon ends. So when you're butchering, let's talk about that a little bit, man. Um, you, you doing sausages or anything like that? You got any specialties or it's just. Uh... Oh, yeah. No, this was a full service, a full service shop when it was running, running uh, full steam. But, yeah, I, I still do my own sausage. And a lot of guys ask, hey, what, what company did you buy your, buy your sausage mixes from? And I'm one of those guys that actually mixes it myself. <laughs> That's not. I know my butcher. He has. He has bags of the stuff and his sausages are great that no you know qualify that there no jokes um <laughs> but uh yeah his polish and the uh and the brats man oh my god uh, can't get enough venison oh, yeah. brats in polish <laughs> no doubt my, my favorite we always made was either our uh our apple cinnamon or our uh jalapeno cheddar those were always the best yeah, I'd like to get a, a good jalapeno cheddar that's not a bag mix, man. Like you're saying, right? Yeah. Like a homemade, you know, yeah. homemade jalapeno yeah. cheddar. That most of most of the recipes that we used are uh, are all like old world recipes or uh ones that have been passed down from different butcher to different butcher. They're not uh, I could never uh, never see myself getting stuff out of a bag. That way I can control how fresh it is too. The fresher the better, obviously. Yeah, because there's some, I've had a couple jalapeno and cheddar, man, and that, uh, yeah, if I can find the right one, dude, I'm going to have to talk <laughs> offline, dude. <laughs> You're going to make me break out the grinder, aren't you? Oh, man. That, <laughs> I'm salivating right now, man. I'm a sucker for it. Just so, it, and it's so, man, you open up the grill, you throw them on, you know what I mean? Crack open a cold one or whatever it is, and uh, man, damn it. <laughs> Like I'm itching, I'm itching for camp right now because I have some every year. I try and save, you know, a, a pack or two or some backstrap or steak to take it with us the next year. And uh, man, I've been chomping at these uh, last little bit of Polish I have in here waiting for camp. Yeah, no doubt. That that is a hard ass tradition to keep up with. Yeah. Yep, I know what you mean. There, we always we try, I try to save at least one chunk of backstrap or whatever for the night before opening day. It's, it's a hell of a tradition. So, uh, what's the 2019 outlook look uh, for you, man? What are you, what are you it's, chasing? And then, uh, it's going to be a busy year. <laughs> yeah. We got, uh, my son drew, uh, the Lassen youth antelope tag up there. So we're going to be up there. The second week of A-Zone, trying to go find us an antelope. Oh, so you're going this week then? No. Oh, no. Uh, second week of general. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, say shit. Yeah, the, the 17th, I think, is the opening day, 17th of August. Well, that'll be good. Yeah. And speed goats, uh, that's tasty meat too. Yeah, it was uh, one of those things. I He drew it with no points. I uh, I put him in just on a whim. Eh, he'll never draw it, but I'll put him, get him some points. Sure as hell. <laughs> he drew it. Uh-huh. But that's so, yeah, that's I, how it goes, though. You, you hear a lot of guys, man, they go in just throwing in. Like I said, 
the guy that put in for Elkie had zero points and he drew it that first year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it happens. I knew a guy that drew elk the same way a couple of years ago through the uh, LaPonza bull tag and first time ever putting in for license or tags or anything, and he drew it. Did he score? We, we got that. We'll be hitting up the general A zone. I drew uh, I drew the late season late season archery muzzleloader tag for Santa Barbara County. So I'll be doing that, and I'm sure we'll end up back in Idaho again this year. And somewhere in there, i got to try to figure out time to work, I guess. Yeah, and it's <laughs> getting harder and harder. Uh-huh. Right? Can't they just be like one of those guys on TV? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's it's as as excited as I am to go chase deer. I cannot stop thinking about elk, man. I, okay. Oh yeah. I, I drove, I drove thirty five hours to go scout Colorado. <laughs> I left Friday afternoon. Uh-huh. We drove all through the night, hit the mountain at the spot I've been eyeballing, e-scouting, um, hit the mountain, and I want to say it was probably 5, 4.45, 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Jumped in the woods for, I don't know, it was about 10 hours, right? We had a half an hour midday nap, and then uh, got back to what was supposed to be camp, and uh, thunderstorm started rolling in. We rented a vehicle because my Jeep is horrible on gas. And uh, so we're in a rental, a rental Toyota Tacoma with street tires, <laughs> no four-wheel drive, you know, miles back in on this freaking beat-up dirt road. So we uh, we rested for about 30, I think it was 34 minutes, thunderstorm started rolling in, packed everything up, man, back on the road for 15 more hours. It was nuts. It was so much freaking fun. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram story. This crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> it was, but you know what? It was dude, a blast, all- though, dude. So worth it, though. Get out <laughs> no that doubt, country, no man. Doubt. And uh, Colorado's something else. It is. I mean, just to it go is. and see all the flipping elk sign. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, we used to do Colorado a lot. We haven't, haven't. I think the last trip we made over there was like 10 years ago or something, but it's a great state. I can't wait to go back one of these days. We're going, man. A couple weeks coming up. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, yeah, we saw, man, a spent arrow. That was the first thing I saw was a spent arrow, and I <laughs> leaned nice. down and I picked it up and I was like, well, no, no hair on this. I, the broadhead that was on there was crazy, but I won't oh, even wow. get into that shit. Um, <laughs> you know, no hair, or nothing. So it looked like a like a swing and a miss. Yeah, but a ton of you know old rut sign and rubs and wallows and just tracks all over the place man and we got down into this bottom we dropped elevation about two thousand feet got into some into some thick timber and uh cows started mewing there was just you know vocalizing going off and uh i couldn't i shouldn't have I, and in my head i shouldn't have but i had to i grabbed my <laughs> freaking diaphragm out and uh so i said well let me see how my thought process was, can I talk to them? What are they going to do if I throw a mew? Um, so I th- threw a couple mews out, and I had a calf call or answer, and uh, messed around a little bit. They got silent, and we went, you know, backed out, and we're chilling out, and uh, woke up to them mewing again, and uh, <clears throat> threw the diaphragm in, did it again, and a cow, man, she cracked off, she cracked off a bugle, man, and it was wow. the 
we were just like, huh? What? It was crazy, dude. It was uh, it was freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, you hear, you know, you hear people say the, the cows bugle. I haven't been chasing elk long enough to know, you know, yeah. yes or no on that. But to hear it was just it was something else, man. It was uh, it was quite the experience. That's that's really cool. Yeah, my 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 elk uh, elk knowledge is pretty limited, but I know uh, I know that's that's a pretty special thing there. Oh man, they uh, I don't know, dude. There's something about being able to vocalize with them and talk. Yeah, you know, and bring them in that way is just something else. And then when they're in front of you uh, and moving around you, and you realize how big that animal is is just oh uh, yeah yeah it's next level shit uh-huh yeah I've, I've i've killed a few but i not uh they've all been on outfitted hunts and not uh not a, not a, a real elk hunt i guess i want to go out and experience one of these days but yeah well okay so I'm, let's qualify all that shit right um you know it's a real hunt right albeit oh. outfitted guided or whatever but i think yeah. a lot of that it's opportunity you know what i mean oh who, yeah who the sure. hell's gonna drive 35 hours for 10 hours of scouting right besides an idiot yeah <laughs> <laughs> you agreed with that thanks bro <laughs> it but but it really is i mean it's still a hunt right there's i mean you know we slam each other with you know diy guided semi-guided mm-hmm. uh, the only thing that i won't that i can't get behind is and i'm not going to even say high fence i'm going to say baited hunts when it's yeah. sitting this blind the feeder's going to go off at 4.45, and then you pick the animal you want and shoot them. That's the only thing yeah. that I like. Eh. I mean, you know, if, if you're, if you have a handicap or if you're disabled or if you're, mm-hmm. you know, old and you're still trying to get after it, then then by all means. But uh, yeah, able-bodied sure. guy, yeah, I, you know, no offense, yeah. gents, if you're out there and that's, your, <laughs> and that's your gig. I just, it's just not, it's not for me, at least at this point, you know, in my, yes. in my hunting career. But yeah, I think uh, a, a guided hunt, a semi-guided hunt, outfitted, however, whatever we call it, I'm not even sure what the hell the difference is between outfitted and yeah. guided. Um, it's still hunting. I mean, the the plus oh, yeah. about Most it is you get out there and you've got a guy that's been doing it for, you know, 20 years, 10 years, 30 years, whatever it is, the information that you could draw from him, especially on an out-of-state hunt, um, yeah, is huge, man. <laughs> yeah most definitely most definitely it's all it's all it's all about the experience no matter uh, no matter how how you get to the end result it's the same generally heck yeah and and less a little bit of suck when uh when you got somebody there that you paid to help you out yeah oh yeah yeah the 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 suck level definitely goes goes down down. (laughs) and they can winch your elk in the back of the pickup you know Yeah, but I I don't know. Even you know, even on a guided or outfitted hunt, man, to be right there and that bull screaming, you know, yeah, fifteen yards from you, it just piercing your freaking soul. God. Oh yeah, they're close enough; they can blow your hat off. It's a, it's a hell of an experience. Oh man, I can't wait, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're giving me the itch now. Oh god. Oh, I got the itch. All right, uh, damn mosquitoes. In Colorado. <laughs> I saw. <it. laughs> <laughs> I I probably have. Dude, I'm going to say I have close to 500 bites, if not more, between oh, my God. face, my head, my hands, and my arms. It has wow. to. My hands were, like, just swole, like I ball, make a fist, and you could barely uh-huh. see my knuckles from, oh, all, from all the swelling. 
I mean, it is just freaking miserable. Wow. I've never seen mosquitoes like that in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's something else there. I mean, we were walking. It was like some shit off of a cartoon. We're walking, and all you see from your peripherals, all I mean, just a cloud from from head <laughs> to toe as you're moving. And as we got higher in elevation, I thought, okay, we're, we'll get out of them. And I was looking at some little videos that we had taken, you know, on the GoPro, just uh-huh. hiking around. And I was showing my wife, and she goes, look at all the damn mosquitoes. <laughs> it's time to break out the thermosel. It didn't work. Really? It did wow. not. It didn't do anything. When we were sitting, it did okay. But it never uh-huh. it never kicked them out. Um, and then wow. when we were on the move, right, we're, you know, we're, we're going from anywhere from, uh, we were like, I think 7,200 was our lowest up to uh-huh. 9,900. And hmm. I thought for sure, as we got higher, that it wasn't going to be as bad. Um, yeah. Of course, the worst was down like mid-range, right? Like I think 8,800. Um, there yeah. was quite a few wallows and it was, that was, mm. I mean, that was bad. But yeah, dude, it's uh, <laughs> freaking waking up in the middle of the night, itching, <laughs> running around, smelling like a fucking hippie, putting lavender oil and shit all over me. Because I'm like, what do you do? I'm itching like crazy. Everything we tried wasn't <laughs> working. So I'm posting like, okay, who does what? And uh, <laughs> I got all kind of shit, man. Um, uh, preparation H, um, which I was willing to try just about everything up until that point. I was like, all right, now. Yeah. <laughs> First. Yeah, you, know, you know they're going to sit at home. Let's see what we can get this kind of smear on. Yeah. Himself. See if we'll put this ass cream on his, on his face, head, and arms. Um, yeah, I don't know. It sounds immature as hell, but I don't know that I could even go buy preparation H at this point. Like if, if I'm suffering, um, with the, with the condition that that medicine's made for probably, but not for no fucking mosquito. Bites. No, no. Cause you know, they're looking at you thinking that you're half blown out. Back there. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm rolling around smelling like a big ass, uh, flower man with all the lavender oil. And actually out of everything that we tried yesterday, that uh-huh. worked. It worked the best. It it keeps the itch down. So we did uh, apple cider vinegar, and that helped. And it was that was really fast. Um, it took the itch away almost instantly, but it didn't last very long. Um, and then my wife said, "We'll go apple cider vinegar and baking soda." I don't know where she got it from. And I said, "Okay." <laughs> so she's my arms do. There's I had to sit in the backyard the whole time um, because the shit was flaking and dusting off of me. Um, <laughs> It was just a mess. And it and I actually felt it like cooling, like you know, where the, the bites are the heaviest. Uh, yeah. My it's just super hot. So she did that. It was a mess. And then uh <laughs> people started saying peppermint oil, lavender oil. And she goes, Oh, I got I have lavender oil. So she went and got that. And uh, it takes about I'm gonna say about ten minutes, but then the itch is gone for probably five or six hours. <clears throat> I just gotta okay. figure out what the hell I'm gonna do when we go back up there. To keep them off. Yeah. I got to figure it out. Um, Because I yeah. use that Sawyer, the Sawyer uh, permethrin on the clothes. Uh-huh. But these things were biting through a freaking sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, sorry to laugh. Oh, no, it's funnier than shit, man. <laughs> I think it's funny. I'm the one suffering. I'm itching like uh-huh. a son of a bitch right now. <laughs> and they haven't stopped uh-huh. popping up. You yeah. know, you think you're out of there, right? And you think, okay, these are, I got, you know, all these bites, but 
all day long, man, you know, little welts pop up in, in spots I didn't have them. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's a trip, dude. It's, it's, yeah. You're making me thinking about it. Oh, imagine two big ass grown men driving, you know, 860 miles for 15 hours screaming like girls because we're itching, man, not knowing what the hell we're doing. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was one of those epic trips, man. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Oh, it's ended right now. It's just driving me crazy. <laughs> so anyway, man, that was a hell of a tangent on these damn mosquito bites. Um, <laughs> so we talked about uh, your hunts this year. Um, so conservation, man, you know that I, I hit that on every uh, on every podcast I do. So what, uh, what's your what's your one to two minute spiel on conservation, man? How do you see it? You know, what can we be doing more of? Um, are we doing enough, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> I've been thinking about it because I know everybody's always got good answers. <laughs> the the one thing that sticks out the most for me is guys thinking that buying their license and tags is enough. I mean, granted that money goes and it does help, but nothing helps as much as actually getting out and doing something. You know, there's, there's so many different clubs, whether it be on a national or even a local level. I mean, there's, there's so many things you can be doing, whether it's just picking up trash or somebody left in a campground or going out and building a, guzzler for quail you know there's there's just infinite possibilities of what you can be doing personally i think it starts with the with the kids we got to teach the kids the right way to do stuff because if we don't who the hell's going to you know there's uh so many different organizations out there right now that are trying to help the kids learn stuff the right way and it's awesome i mean i'm i'm personally a member and involved in I think five or six different clubs on the local level here, the, the, the local uh, CDA and the I'm a board member for the Chimenez Ranch Foundation. We do a lot of stuff for the local youth and stuff. And it's, it's, it's great, man. It's, it's rewarding. Yeah, I mean, obviously getting to work with my own kids, but getting to see all the all the other kids that don't get the chance to get out it's it's really a cool experience so you brought that up one of the things that i've noticed right is Mm -hmm. from from then to now basically so when i first started um i don't think there was the level of education or i wasn't exposed to it it was kind of a this has always been a solo endeavor for the most part. For yeah. Me. And I don't think that there was a, there wasn't the level of importance that we put on it today. And I think that, mm-hmm. that I took it for granted for a long time. Um, and there was probably years that I didn't even give it thought. So I, I agree with, with educating that next generation of hunters um, is paramount, man, because I, you know, looking back on it, I wish I had the opportunity earlier or had the information, mm-hmm. I should say, earlier um, to make whatever small impact I can. And maybe that's why I'm so, you know, big up on it now. Maybe I'm, you know, some way making up for lost time. But, yeah, I think it's huge that uh, that we're putting that effort into that next generation of, uh, of oh, outdoorsmen yeah. and women, man. 
there was a long time I took for granted how good I had it learning from such a young age. I mean, growing up and making friends and they ask what your hobbies are and you say, Oh, I get to go out hunting with my grandpa on the weekends. That's my favorite thing to do. And they look at you like you got three heads or something. You know, it's, it, it's really funny. I, I'm, I, it's really a cool experience now to be able to get to help all these other kids whether it's through the Chimeneas or CDA or Santa Maria Valley Sportsman's Association, there's always a chance to volunteer and get your hands dirty and actually make a difference. You know, that that's the coolest thing about it. You're making a difference. Good deal, man. So why don't you drop everything, man, about butcher shop taxidermy? How do folks get a hold of you? Um, you're going to go crazy here. It looks like opener was pretty good um, through a better portion of the state, man. So, Drop the info and and let folks know um, well, where you're at and everything. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at, at Butcher Shop Taxidermy. Um, hell, give me a phone call. My number, 805-345-7921. That's the best way to get me, call or text. That's the easiest. But yeah, Facebook and Instagram. I, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. <laughs> I, I had to feel like a cool guy and get one, but I'm not cool enough, I guess. Yeah, that's uh yeah, we won't get into social media. We're closing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anything, man, anything to wrap it up, anything in closing, any uh shout outs? Yeah, you know, I want to say a big thanks to my mentor and my best friend, uh Chuck Testa. He's he's helped me more than anybody else has in this industry. Him and uh my grandpa for getting me into it, Robert Ortega. He's uh hell, without him I wouldn't be nothing. And well, thanks to my wife too <laughs> for letting me do all the fun stuff I get to do. There you go. You better Sorry, get that over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I gotta gotta say thank you to the wife and kids. They're uh, they're what it's all about. I mean, I get to go do all this cool stuff and rebuild animals that other people have brought in, and it puts food on my table. That's pretty bitching, <laughs> you know. You're, you're living that, uh, living that life every day, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I thought it was one of those things that was always going to be a dream, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's still a dream. <laughs> Some days it's a nightmare, but eh, it's always a dream. Heck yeah. That's not a, <laughs> not a bad one to be having, man. Yeah, for sure. Greatly appreciate the time. I'm glad we get to sit down. Um, hopefully I'll be seeing you here in the next few weeks and through September. We've got a, <laughs> a few you. tags, man. So we'll, as long as uh, the uh, bank account can keep up with me, man, we'll be dropping them off. Hey, I take payments, brother. It's all good. <laughs> there we go. We got uh, taxidermy <laughs> on layway. <laughs> hey, whatever works. As uh, long as I get half the start, you're good to go, man. <laughs> there you go, but There you go. <laughs> You're going to, now you just opened up the floodgates. <laughs> uh, whatever works, I guess. Well, good deal, man. Again, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. And good luck to you this season, man. I hope your boy tags oh, out you? up there and lasting, but. Oh man, I can't wait. It's going to be cool. I, I, I'm looking forward to it more than, more than any of the other tags sitting in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, well, good. good deal, brother. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You can catch up with Matt and Butcher Shop Taxidermy on Instagram at Butcher Shop Taxidermy. Or give Matt a call at 805-345-7921. Thank you for listening. 
Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.